Compliments of the season and welcome to Finance Conversation. This is the 43rd episode of the Merging Life and Money Show and I am super excited to be here today. For those of you who do not know me, I am your host, Marie-Jo César. I help professional women bridge the gap between life and money by acquiring and applying the relevant skills and knowledge they need to take control of their money, manage their finances, and understand that they can live their best life with the money they have. Thanks for joining in today. If you are watching the replay, make sure to type hashtag replay in the chat and leave me some comments and questions. Welcome, welcome, and welcome. I come to, do, I come to you live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time to share valuable information about how to achieve financial wellness and live your life with means and meaning. Today, we are going to talk about women's representation in the boardroom. And to address this topic, I have with me Natasha Charles, uh, which I'm going to bring in. Uh, Natasha is a Philadelphia native, um, an intuitive strategist and all-life coach. She is passionate about cultivating and maintaining a positive mindset. And through transformative conversations, she helps individuals and couples create and manifest lives that they love. She had a 15-year-plus career in higher education and spent two and a half years at a nonprofit that taught entrepreneurship. And four years ago, she started her coaching practice. So Natasha is also the mother of an amazing, vivacious, twice exceptional daughter. Um, Natasha is also a fitness enthusiast. She creates Afro-bio-mineral balance vegan recipes. Sounds interesting. And is also involved in the New Thought movement. Welcome back, Natasha, to the Merging Life and Money Show. And welcome, followers and listeners, Thanks for joining in today. So grab a pen and a notebook, as you might want to take some notes. It's going to be interesting. And you you would want to discuss them uh, over the holiday with family members, friends, uh, whomever you you are going to be gathering with this coming weekend, because it is about sharing values that could benefit others. As I noted a few moments ago, Today's topic is about gender parity in the boardroom. So we will focus on three points. Where do we stand now? Uh, We are going to look at the way forward. Can equality in the boardroom be achieved? And lastly, we are going to look at the importance of having a diverse board. Okay, so to give today's show some context, let me say that Women's representation in the boardroom is a mixed bag, okay? While the number of women on boards seem to be rising across the globe, the rate of increase has slowed for three of the past four years. Also, women leaders must often work harder than their male counterparts 
to secure their seat at the boardroom table. And trust me, once they, have, they earn that leadership position, things do not get any easier, particularly when women of color are concerned. I got a badge for that. I would even go as far as saying that any company striving to have, to have a board with a well-rounded view of the world, staffed with pragmatic directors who do their homework and are not afraid to ask a tough question, such a company is looking for a few good women right now. So before getting to Natasha, I will say that corporate boards looking to add women to their ranks might need to wake up and appreciate the benefits, the forward-looking views, and the skill set that gender diversity could bring to boardroom discussions. Conversely, women who are seeking board positions must focus on how their expertise, their experience or attributes would make them viable candidate and have a clear vision of what they seek when the company they are targeting for board level opportunity, okay? And generally speaking, anyone contemplating a board seat should consider the company's cultural fit. So I'm going to get off my soapbox and turn over to Natasha so she can tell us more about women's current representation in the boardroom. So Natasha, yes, what can you tell us about women's current representation or involvement in the boardroom now? So thank you so much for having me back to the show, MJ. Delighted to be a guest once again, and hello to everyone in your audience. So before I begin, I'd like to say that although I use the term women here, it's spelled in my notes as women X with an X in place of the E to acknowledge the expanded category of women to include all who identify as female as a woman. Now to your question, MJ. According to a 2021 Bloomberg article, women held hold fewer than a third of board seats among firms listed on the S&P 500 index. And while more companies now report diversity data, most boards most boards don't represent the US population. According to data from Just Capital, of the 83 boards whose data companies have made public, 55 of 83 of those boards are less than 30% non-white. One of the most well-organized, most well-known organizations that are tracking the progress of board diversity is the Alliance for Board Diversity. It's a collaborative across a number of well-known organizations, including Catalyst, the Executive Leadership Council, the Hispanic Association of Corporate Responsibility, and LEAP, which is the Leadership Education for Asian Pacifics. 
and they're recently collaborating with Deloitte and they published something called the Missing Pieces Report. It's a board diversity census of women and minorities on Fortune 500 boards. Now, the ABD has set a goal of 40% diversity on Fortune 500 boards. And according to ABD's most recent Missing Pieces Report, minority participants comprise 17.5% of Fortune 500 board members. The 2020 analysis of public filing shows 200 companies with greater than 40% diversity. An initial public percentage goal set by the ABD in 2004. This is nearly four times the number of companies than it was a decade ago. In Fortune 500, in the Fortune 500, 974 board seats were filled by directors new to Fortune 500 boards. Of those 974 board seats, 81% were filled by white, direct, white directors. 81%. Let me say that again. With 53.8% filled by white men. 53.8%. And of those directors new to the Fortune 100, 79.9% of board seats were filled by white directors, with 52.1% filled by white men, an increase from 51.2%. So it's gone up since the last edition of the census, which was in 2018. There are six companies that remain comprised completely of white male board members. Five of those six companies have been comprised of entirely white males since 2016. In 2016, there were 15 boards with zero gender, racial, or ethnic diversity. The ABD and Deloitte acknowledge that the progress made on overall diversity has largely been due to the increase of white women on boards. White women have made the largest percentage increase in board seats gained in both the Fortune 100 and the Fortune 500, larger than any other group or gender, a gain of 34 seats, 15%, in the Fortune 100, and 209 seats, or 21%, in the Fortune 500. And two last points. According to the board, women and minorities have made more progress in board representation for the Fortune 500 between 2016 and 2020 than between 2010 and 2016. This increased rate of, of change, while encouraging, still requires, in some cases, decades more for the achievement of equitable gender and minority board representation. And as a personal note, what I would like to see is corporate governance at three levels of reflection, a board of directors that reflects the company's stakeholders, a board of directors that reflects the U.S. population or the population of the country or the countries in which the corporation is represented, and a board of directors that is inclusive of the world population on some level. We need greater diversity, MJ, more seats at the tables, greater diversity of thought, more voices. Back to you. Thank you so much. That was um, uh, a good, um, um, lots of research and lots of um, statistics uh, when it comes to this. Uh, from where you sit, however, um, 
what I mean, what can you tell uh, my audience um, um, based on your experience um, in that space? Um, the, the, what has been your experience? I mean, do you see this being reflective of what you are living currently? Are those statistics relevant, fully relevant? What I would say is things are getting better. We're not where we'd like to be. That's been my experience. So we'd like to see more minority representation, greater diversity, not there just yet. Okay. So thank you for that. And um, I will be um, um, adding a couple of words uh, from that. Um, as I said, a good bit of statistic that I would uh, probably uh, put together in some kind of a document that I would uh, offer my audience, so they would they would have a good uh, appreciation of, of uh, where the women, uh, particularly the women of color, sits um, um, if she get a seat at all at the board table. I'd be happy so, to do so. Um, I will add that um, after historic uh, Black Lives Matters protest last summer eh? and an economic crisis that disproportionately sidelined women, um, and that's to echo a bit of what you said, corporate America vowed to be more inclusive. However, in corporate boardrooms, little has changed. And this is reflected by the numbers that you mentioned. Uh, boards have been and continue to be predominantly male and white. And this is, um, as you were put it, according to that study, um, by what you call ABD, which is the Alliance for Board Diversity. Uh, um, they did that in conjunction, well, together with Deloitte, uh, that consulting slash auditing firm. So the same study also found that white women gained the greatest numbers of, number of seats, right? Increasing their presence at Fortune 100 companies by 15 and 15% and by 12% at Fortune 500 companies. So the point I want to make here in total, women still represent just about a teeny bit. You know, right. And minorities even less so. All board seats, right? Yeah. And for sure. Women. Sorry? No, I, I was just commenting, chiming in, and minorities even less so. Women and even to a lesser extent minorities. And if you break it down even further into things like, like Black men who have lost ground, and even further, if you're thinking about Asian and Pacific Islanders, I have tons of data. Of course, we won't go into all of that yeah. now, but just chiming yeah. in to, yeah. uh, to yeah. second what you're saying. Yeah, and the minority women, which include, as you well said, Blacks and Hispanic and Asian women, represent even the smaller, smaller slice of boardroom at both the Fortune 100 and Fortune 500 uh, uh, company. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> more than half of the directors newly appointed to board seats in the last year um, right. were white male, right? right? So my next question for you will be, 
can equality be achieved in the boardroom? So in short, the answer, MJ, is yes. Gender equality can be achieved in the boardroom, as can greater minority representation. The ABD has set a goal, as I previously mentioned, of 40% women and minorities holding Fortune 500 board seats, a goal that may not be achieved for some time, given the pace of what's been happening. To be clear, this is a goal that can be extended well beyond the Fortune 500. I know that a good bit of what I've talked about here has been focused upon the Fortune 500. As we've discussed behind the scenes, MJ, not every woman is serving on a Fortune 500 board. There are boards of director seats beyond Fortune 500 companies. And there are many professional women who are serving on these boards and are and can serve on these boards. Diversity goals can be set anywhere for any board. Fortunately, there's been a shift in attitudes, racial justice efforts, as you mentioned, and the ESG movement, which is environmental, social, and corporate governance. There's a lot happening in this space. And they're helping to make this goal, the goal that we're discussing, and goals similar to it a reality. There are new mandates and requirements from authoritative sources that are demanding more corporate diversity. For example, California and Illinois have passed laws mandating that corporations based in their states add women and members of underrepresented groups to their boards. NASDAQ Inc. now requires companies listed on its exchange to publicly disclose board-level diversity statistics using a standardized template and have or explain why they do not have at least two diverse directors. And two last points, Goldman Sachs will no longer fund IPOs for companies with all male, all white boards. In response to these new mandates, MJs, and these requirements, the number of companies recruiting women and minorities and publicizing the results of their efforts has increased. So we are seeing some impact. Okay. It is possible to achieve this. Well, that, that's good that you that we're seeing some impact, but it's clearly a pattern, right? So the only way that you get invited to sit at a board would be based on your network, based on your net worth as well. And um, we know exactly uh, what's going on, right? So Let's face it, right? Women make the world go around, literally. <laughs> right. Okay. So, yeah, despite juggling of, of, of life crazy demands like birthing and raising children and providing financial stability and preparing healthy home cooked meals because this is still expecting, expected of others, while also trying to find time for exercise and time with friends and the occasional moment of relaxation if they can find it, women are still treated as less than in yes. the workforce. Yes. And it reflects in the boardroom. Okay? So while we have all of that to do, where do you find the time to network, to get to know people, to develop businesses, to be invited at the, at the board table? Okay? So for all the value and wealth corporate America creates in the country, it is safe to say that many corporations 
can do more to promote gender equality in their workforce, in their workplaces. Okay, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Okay, the status quo is startling. With the status quo in mind, legislators, as you mentioned, uh, so fit to take action. <laughs> and you mentioned California with the uh, Women and Board Law that was um, right. enacted in, in 2018, I believe. And Illinois and a few others are, are looking into it. Right. And, uh, and this trend really um, is also occurring in some European countries and in India, okay, where they have imposed mandatory gender quotas in an effort to increase women's representation, right? And in so doing, France, for example, as you know, I'm French, was at 43.3%, I believe, in 2019, mm. right? And in right. 2020, the percentage of women directorship declined to 43.3%, as I mentioned in my opening comments. Right. Okay? So we must pay attention to this. And as women, we must, you know, get together and find out what it takes to be invited at the table or find out what it takes to invite oneself at the table. Right. Okay? So moving to our last point, um, a number of research show that companies with women directors or even just more diverse boards tend to do better than those with executive teams made up entirely of men. So tell me, what is your take on that and how important is it to have a diverse board? It's extremely important. The impact of greater diversity on boards is greater diversity of perspective, of thought, of opinion. There's more empathy. There's more compassion. There's more cultural humility. These are qualities that are then dispersed throughout an organization and ultimately impact every facet of the organization. And as we understand, as we know, a board and executive leadership team that has greater diversity, particularly women, they outperform consistently. To refer back to the missing pieces report, MJ, the impact of placing women and minorities into the positions of board chair and nominating or governance chair can pay immediately, can pay immediate and future dividends for the promotion of board diversity. When they have a woman or a minority as their nominating or governance chair, boards are not immediately more likely to have higher percentages of women or minorities. After approximately two years, these boards are more likely to have higher percentages of women or minorities. So there is impact there. And I will also say, it's great to be invited. It's great to invite oneself if you can if you can do that. There are also people who are figuring out ways to build their own table and invite people to those seats as well. Thank you for that, uh, Natasha. Um, and totally agree. Indeed. There's a correlation between companies with gender diverse boards and those that enjoy greater return on equity, sales, and invested capital. I spent quite a period of my life on boards. And um, same pattern, very few, few women at the table. But um, as time went on, you know, I was the first one. 
for for quite a while. And as time went on, all the women were invited uh, to the board because, again, regulations, okay, because regulation mandated it. So um, putting more women on boards also makes for good corporate governance, right? And um, high-performing board, I would say, would consist of a group that generates and carries out the best ideas, and those ideas arise only when a diverse pool of thoughts is brought to the table. Okay? Right. So and with a gender Im- imbalance, boards can experience what they call the group think, right? And they can fail to see and account for perspective that could enhance company performance, right? And in contrast, boards with uh, gender diversity more closely reflect society, right? And at the end of the day, whether or not we, we want to like it, diversity is crucial in helping board navigate and plan a company's future. Absolutely. Well said, MJ. Okay. So um, looking at the time, believe it or not, we've been talking for 25 minutes. Interesting discussion. Uh, I'm going to wind down and I will sum it all up. Today we talked about parity in the boardroom and focused on where we stand now, the way forward, you know, can equality in the boardroom be a possibility? And we also spoke about the importance of having a diverse board. So I'm going to leave my listeners and followers with those last thoughts. Professional women face obstacles no matter what job title they possess, including an equal pay and unconscious bias. And we might all be able to learn from women leaders who have managed to overcome all of that and become successful. So why are we not seeing more women in the boardroom? Um, I want to refer to um, Sheryl Sandberg's book, Lenin, right? Uh, The the Facebook lady, (laughs) correct? Um, And uh, she explained that one of the reasons is the fact that professional ambition is expected of men and is optional for women. That is, men are rewarded for being ambitious, powerful, and successful, while women typically pay a social penalty for exhibiting such traits, as they are generally expected to prioritize family before career. Right. So high-achieving women experience social backlash because their very success, specifically the behaviors that created that success, violates societal expectation about how women are supposed to behave. Right? So you see, women are expected to be nice, they're expected to be warm and friendly and nurturing. Therefore, if a woman acts assertively or competitively, if she pushes her team to perform, if she exhibits this decisive and forceful leadership, 
she is deviating from the social script that dictates how she should behave. Right. I can tell you about that as I have been there. Yeah. Okay. So turning over to you, Natasha, one more time. Absolutely. Um, I really thank you for your contribution to the show today. Lots of statistics, lots of good stuff. And as I said, to be continued. So absolutely. tell me uh, and tell the listeners and followers about what you have been going on, what you have going on at the moment. Thank you again, MJ, for this opportunity. It, it's been wonderful to be back on the show. And like you said, there's just, there's so much to be done. I, of course, you know, you and I talk and we could talk for hours about this. It's just, it's something that I believe you and I are both passionate about. And in terms of what I have going on, first, I am I have four things that I can mention. First, I'm hosting a one-hour training, as I mentioned previously. It's one-hour training and 30 days of follow-up support in a private LinkedIn group. I'm doing this training on January 25th, 2022, 11.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. The topic is alleviating burnout, creating a life that you love. I wanted to create something that was impactful and impactful in in people's lives, not so much on their schedule. People are already juggling quite a bit. And so it's one hour and then asynchronously in a private LinkedIn group. And I'm currently offering 50% off registration costs for that training. You can email me, Natasha at natashacharles.com for more information or to register and to register. Second, I am currently working to fulfill a personal goal to gift coaching services to approximately 22 to 25 professionals. For serious inquiries, you can email me at natasha at natashacharles.com. Third, I am a recent member of the Forbes Coaches Council. I recall I mentioned on the last show that that was in progress. It's now happened. And my first feature was published in the week of December 6th. And it discusses the importance of focusing, focusing, focusing to achieve. And I look forward to writing additional articles and additional features. And I would love to hear any comments. And finally, I've saved the absolutely very best for last. I'm writing a chapter in an anthology that's being compiled by Dr. Tara I. Trent, who is the founder and the president of Tara I. Trent International and Oprah Winfrey's favorite guest. Dr. Trent has an amazing story of transformation and manifestation, and I encourage everyone to learn about it. The moment you hear her story, you have no question as to why Oprah Winfrey says Tara I. Trent, Dr. Tara I. Trent is her favorite guest. I wholeheartedly just love her story. It's amazing. Well, thank you, Natasha, um, for... Um, that and I will like to take um, a little time to congratulate you on your achievement and uh, wishing you the best for your um, workshop that's coming up next month, next year, January. You said the 26th, 25th, right? Tuesday, the 25th, 25th of January, 25th, 11:30 a.m. Eastern Time. It's right, and I surely hope that listeners and followers. Enjoy the conversation, and I promise that um, we will continue to address many, many more topics related to women in leadership. And before I forget, Natasha, could you give the audience 
some, I, I know you talk about contact information regarding the, the, the workshops. Sure. Um, and I believe I have some information uh, on the banner there that I could also um, show. But if you could give them, if, if someone wanted to contact you, um, if you have a phone number or um, what the best way to contact you, you have all your information at the bottom, but it's kind of uh, sure. um, hard sometimes. So if you could let the person. And it's also in my background. So my website is natashacharles.com. My email address is natasha at natashacharles.com. I'm pretty frequently on LinkedIn. You can send me a message there. I also have a presence on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest as well. Good. Uh, as you know, I like to end the show with a quote. And today's quote is from Anne Mulcahy. Uh, Anne is the former chairperson and CEO of the Xerox Corporation. And it reads, we are long past having to defend or explain why women should be on boards, given all the data that shows how companies with female as well as, as male directors perform better. Here, here. It is unfortunate, though, when companies with a large percentages of women constituents do not reflect that in their boardroom. A big thank to you, Natasha, for your awesome contribution today. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And thank you, MJ. Happy holidays to you. Happy holidays to you as well. For more information about how to achieve financial wellness from the inside out and, and live a purposeful life with the money you have, join me next week, Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 9 p.m. Atlantic Time for my Bermuda Pips, and 10 a.m. Friday, Brisbane, Australia Time for my Australian mates. Uh, next Thursday, uh, I'm Michelle Hart, uh, a regular contributor to the Merging Life and Money Show, will be joining me and we will be talking about an estate planning related topic to close the year 2021. Thank you for being here today on the Merging Life and Money Show. I am your host, Marie-Jo César, and I will be back again next week. Until then, continue merging life and money, and may the magic of Christmas, Kwanzaa, or whatever holiday you celebrate, fill your home with joy and peace. Let us not forget the reason for the season. Bye for now.